Hey folks, it's PF uh, channeling Hourglass. Hey, it's Ira. Um, and I have a, a quick apology for you. Um, to those of you who this week found uh, like over 200 episodes of old PF tape recorders in your iTunes, um, I'm very, very sorry. I didn't realize iTunes would do that. I changed the RSS feed. So the upside is that you can now go back through iTunes and go back to episode 9 and listen to old interviews through iTunes. But the, of course, the, the downside of that is that it jammed you with all those old episodes because I thought it was a new RSS feed. But again, sorry for that. If you go into your settings and uh, and if you go into the uh, podcast and you find a little gear in each, uh, like above the, t- above the title of PS Tape Recorder, there's a little gear symbol, and this is the same for all your podcasts. You can set it to just download the most recent episode or the most recent three episodes or whatever you want to do. Again, sorry about that. On with this week's show. Hi, this is April Richardson, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Nikki Glazer explains how her and her boyfriend came up with the idea for her new Comedy Central show. He said, well, you're one of the biggest perverts I've ever met in my life. You should probably do a show about that. We'll hear more from Nikki in just a bit. We have the song of the week from Qualia. He's an electronic artist. I believe he's from New Jersey. But first, we have a, a dumb bit involving me getting a shout-out. No two shout-outs on the Rock Solid podcast. So I thought this was kind of funny, but maybe it's just me being a narcissist. Uh, I was listening to Rock Solid. Murray Valeriano was co-hosting with Pat Francis. They were doing question songs, and they played a song. Well, Murray did. He played a song by a San Diego group called The Monroes, and the song was called What Do the People Know? It was out in about 1981, 82-ish. And uh, well, we'll um, give, a listen, give a little listen to that song, and then uh, hear what they had to say after that. good song it's a really yeah. good song yeah it's a good song. do you remember that song by any chance no i think it was like 82 or something like that 83 i thought this was a brand new song no 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 no, no. it's a good song yeah it's a good tune uh you know who like that probably like uh pf wilson pf wilson pf if you that. like that if you, um, if you know that if you know anything about the monroes let me know yeah post it on the uh, facebook page pf if you like it and I do remember that song, and I do have it in my iTunes, but I know nothing about the Monroes. I didn't even know they were from San Diego, so actually Murray uh, knows more about the Monroes than I do. Well, I thought that was interesting, getting a nice little 80s shout out there. They know where to come to for their, uh, you know, I'm a new wave daddy from way back, of course. They know where they get their, their 80s information from. But then, later on the podcast, what's my other favorite decade for music? Well, the 60s, and who's my favorite group? The Beach Boys. And, uh, well, they ended up playing uh, the very great Wouldn't It Be Nice, and uh, Murray had some uh, some thoughts on that. how much of a douchebag Mike Love is. I might go see the Mike Love version coming out to the... Uh... Mike Lo- All right, somehow Mike Love finagled the name Beach Boys. They had yeah. the 50th anniversary. Right. Everyone's together. He fires Brian Wilson off the tour. You fire Brian Wilson off the tour. Give me a fucking... Are you kidding me? And he also... Well, he's, sued- a, he's a mental case, Brian Wilson. Okay, so kind of a harsh way to put it, but what Murray goes on about is that at the end of Wouldn't It Be Nice, there's a little vocal hook that Mike Love wrote and never got credit for, and Mike Love sued for like $17 million to get the credit back, and you know, 
let's be honest, Mike Love by many accounts is a horrible human being, mostly due to the relationship with some of his children, which I won't go into details on. And then by other accounts, I mean, I interviewed the guy over the phone, didn't know I was going to interview him. I thought they were going to stick me with one of like the backing, one of the new backing guys, which I was going to be thrilled with. And here they stick Mike Love on the phone to talk to. So, and he was the, the nicest man. So, I don't know. I, it's, yeah, you can make a case either way, I suppose. But, you know, I guess more of the evidence weighs on the fact that he's maybe not the, the nicest guy. Uh, but, I mean, Pete Towns is a prickly pair, and no one gets on his case. So, anyway, um, it, I think, you know, Mike should have been paid for those songs. And he uh, even when they're on stage, he says, you know, constantly says, Cousin Brian, the genius, and things like that. So, And uh, the other thing, he was, Brian was not fired off the tour. What you have is there's two uh, touring... Uh, entities here. You have the Beach Boys, Mike Love, Bruce Johnson, and the rest of their uh, hired guns, who are all very talented, by the way. And then you have Brian, uh, Al Jardine, and David Marks, and uh, some other uh, helping hands. And oddly, uh, they tour as Brian Wilson, and, or Brian Wilson and Friends, I think is what it is now. And oddly, there's more Beach Boys and Brian Wilson and Friends than there are in the actual touring Beach Boys, which is kind of funny. But no, they, he didn't, no one got fired. Uh, the 50th anniversary dates ran longer. They added another 25 dates to it because it was hugely successful and they sold out everywhere. Well, it ran into some shows that Mike had already booked as the Beach Boys, Mike and Bruce had booked. And so those dates over almost overlapped. They came within like a couple days of each other. And then the, the Brian, uh, or, yeah, Brian and Al and David went on and uh, Bruce and uh, Mike went on because they had commitments to play these shows, which uh, Al and Brian and, didn't, and David didn't want to do, which, you know, who, who can blame them? And then uh, back to the Rock Solid thing, there was this. But if I went, if I went to see, I just don't think Brian Wilson would be good in concert right I don't now. think Mike Love would be good in concert. I saw Brian Wilson. Wilson just saw him, and he said they were good. <laughs> well, he's related to Brian Wilson. I say this no, about... No, 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 he I saw s- Mike Love. No, Mike Love I say this about P.F. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I call I saw, him Pat Francis Wilson. I think, by the way, that confused the hell out of me when you did his podcast when I first met you. And I'm like, why is he calling himself PF now? Pat Francis? I'm confused. Uh, I saw Brian Wilson. Um, okay, so pretty funny joke by Kyle there, the producer, uh, suggesting that we might be related. Uh, I might be related to the Wilsons. And I asked my dad that once, even though I knew the answer was no. But I said, any possibility at all? No. We are from Georgia. Uh, the Wilsons uh, of California, they're Brian and his They're from uh, Oklahoma originally, and then they moved to California in the 30s. So there you have it. I love hearing my name on podcasts. That's the whole, that's all that can be learned from this. And uh, those of you who skipped past this did so wisely. Let's move on now to our interview with Nikki Glazer. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Nikki Glazer is a stand-up comedian originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, where this podcast originates from. But she moved away when she was little and grew up in St. Louis and started her stand-up comedy career there. She still has ties to our area, though, which is kind of relevant for all this. But here's our conversation with Nikki Glazer. Hey, joining us on PF Tape Recorder is the return of Nikki Glazer. Nikki, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Um, geez, it's been about a year, year and a half since we spoke, and um, I know you've been very busy these past couple of days trying to put this interview together. So, what have you been up to? 
Um, I've been up to uh, working on my new show that I'm going to have on Comedy Central starting in February. So we are just starting in the office, kind of assembling a staff and putting things together and shooting things for Snapchat. A lot of stuff is going on. but uh, And I'm also in the middle of getting ready to record my stand-up hour special, uh, oh, cool. which I'm shooting November 14th in New York, but I'm uh, traveling all around the country, you know, getting it in shape. And, sure. uh, and it's it's really, uh, it's, it's a good one. And I'm excited to share it with the Minneapolis area. Awesome. Now, um, this new show of yours on Comedy Central, it's uh, of a rather adult nature, I understand. Yeah, it's going to be called Not Safe with Nikki Glaser, and it's just about um, talking about sex in a frank way, sex, dating, and relationships in a way that, you know, we're all having it, so why don't we talk about it more earnestly? I'm not sure about the beginning of your premise. And it's just exploring that world and and talking about everything that's up there. I'm not sure about the first part (laughs) of your premise that we're all having it, but... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we all want to. Be, or we all think about it, you know, and uh, we all consume it. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's going to be like kind of um, like HBO's real sex but with comedy and no dirty, like ugly people in the woods having sex. <laughs> so, well, how did the idea for the series come about? Did, did, you know, did someone come to you with this idea or did you pitch this idea or how did this all come together? Um. Actually, I came up with it with my boyfriend, who is a co-executive producer and co-creator of it with me. He, we were trying to, he worked on my show that I had on MTV with me. That's how we met. Oh, yeah. And after that finished, we were just kind of trying to think of, like, what would be a good thing for me to do next. And I was just like, I, you know, I don't really know what kind of show I want to do. He said, well, you're one of the biggest perverts I've ever met in my life. Huh. You should probably do a show about that. And I was like, you're right. Like, I, I love talking sex. I love, like, this hearing about it. I love just hearing stories from people. I love talking to people about stuff. And I often find that people are, are very open with me because I'm just very nonjudgmental and uh, I'll admit to weird things myself. So it just seemed like a perfect fit. So we were like, okay, let's pitch this, like, sex show. And and that's what we did. And, and Comedy Central liked it. So we shot a pilot and then Comedy Central ordered 10 episodes. So we are just getting started and they'll start airing in February. Awesome. Now, is your boyfriend a comedian or is he a writer or how is, what's... He is a, a he's a television producer. Okay. So, yeah, so he is, uh, but he's very funny and a big fan of mine and he's worked in television for a while. So okay. he, um, yeah, so he's, we, we along with my showrunner, us three are kind of like building the show and the pilot was really pretty much what we wanted it to be so we're just uh kind of just trying to assemble the perfect staff and and get plenty of people involved and it's, it's awesome yeah so i'm curious if a dude comedian would have come up with this with the premise that hey i'm a pervert and i like sex they'd have been like okay weirdo thanks a lot <laughs> Go, yes. goes down the hall. um yeah it's it's definitely double standard but i um i definitely uh I'm not so much a pervert like I like to do, like you would think that you would see me in my personal life or private life and be like, wow, she's a freak. It's more like I'm a curious pervert. Oh, like I yeah. just, I'm titillated by things that, uh, you know, that oh, I, I want to know what's going on in everyone's life. I'm just very curious. And so, um, but yes, pervert uh, sounds a lot better 
coming from a woman than a man. Yeah. Well, now that you put it that way, though, it is a bit of a difference. Like you're saying, curiosity and being an actual perv are really two different things because, you know, there's yeah. all kinds of things that, you know, my wife is always curious about. Like, like she hears about this thing and goes, I wanted to, but never in a million years would actually do them or think about doing them. She, almost, she just wants to know why other people are doing them. That sounds like what, what this is, uh, what this show is going to be about. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, so it's just, it's more about just getting people to admit their stories and like, you know, hey, we all, we all think about this stuff. So let's just, let's put it out in the open and then maybe people won't feel so ashamed about their foot. You know, like, I just know about these things and I've got some weird stuff. So when you shot the pilot. I want to learn about stuff and learn about myself as well. So when you shot the pilot, was it difficult finding people to uh, be on the show, or was that pretty easy? No, that actually was pretty easy. We're, we found that, you know, uh, most comedians who are already very open and uh, are, 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 and just anyone really is just down to tell their story. Everyone has, like, a good story, even if it's just one story about, you know, a friend they know who hooked up with someone or their own life who there was a weird hookup or uh, getting caught masturbating story. Like, everyone has a story, so... It's it, you know, we're not asking of people to share something that they regret. I, I think yeah. it's more of just um, everyone, even if you're, you know, a virgin Mormon, has something that they can share that's funny, a, a take on something that's interesting, and and uh, you know, just that s- someone else would be like, I can't believe that, like I've never even heard of something like that. So um, it really wasn't that hard, and comedians are very are are pretty much. Uh, they're all pervs in general. So it, that was pretty easy. We just, um, you know, I want to get experts and doctors and I just want to, uh, people are just so interested in sex. So I think once they see what we do with the show and like how we're not exploiting anyone and we're not making fun of anything, then it's going to be easier and easier to get people to come on and, and share their stuff. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, it's a, a matter of, you know, being uh, curious and, and okay with things as opposed to actually, you know, if you're doing certain things, or maybe not, you know, you you might have uh, some problems. But do you, do you think you'll be expanding beyond comedians and just into other entertainment people in general, or does having the comedians kind of will ensure that it stays light? Um, I think that it's you know we're going to start with comedians, and then we're going to go into you know try to get. I'd love to get like Jennifer Lawrence or something like that. You know, but that's a little bit. It's a little. Uh, it's, well, we want to just set a great example first off, and then have people watch it and be like, "I would be a part of that." You know, kind of like Schumer mm. has done. Like, you know, in her later seasons, there's been actors and actresses who have been like, "I want to get involved with this," but you know, her first season is mainly comics. Right. But right. now she's getting you know Paul Giamatti and stuff like that. So I think you kind of have to prove yourself first before those people who have you know, public persona and reputations on the line are interested in, in, in taking part of being a part of something like that, especially something involving sex. Well, that makes sense. And so is this going to yeah. be uh, shot in New York or Los Angeles? This is in Los Angeles. I had to move out here for it. So oh, okay. I thought so. I've been in New York for five years and I just moved out here two months ago to just kind of start it up. Aha. Uh-huh. So as a St. Louis girl slash Cincinnati girl, how are you finding Los Angeles? Do you prefer it over New York or... Um, you know, I love New York for stand-up, and I just love New York in general, but for the winter coming up, I really am happy to be out of New York, and, um, I lived in L.A. right out of college when I first started doing stand-up. I moved out here, um, and I lived for three years, so I was, you know, 
a struggling stand-up, uh, you know, temping and babysitting to make money. So it was a different mm. kind of life. But yeah, yeah. I definitely learned my way around, and I'm used to this environment. But, you know, it's it's a, it's totally different. The, the weather is just the main thing that I'm, like, so excited about right now cause as, as it gets colder in New York. But there's no beating New York for just stories and and just the just how insane your life is (laughs) like every time you walk out your door you're never alone you're you know it's stressful but it's also really um stimulating so it's good for material yeah well maybe you could do road shows and and comics come out of there maybe maybe you could do road shows and go to different places like chicago and las vegas and places like that yeah i would love to do that i would love to get our show on the road because i think it's going to be a lot about what you know once Comedy Central, maybe, you know, each season you get a little bit more money to travel because yeah. traveling is uh, uh, obviously takes a lot out of your budget. So we have to stay here for first season for the most of it. But um, I would love to take it to other cities because I just think that every city, the dating scene is different. Everyone claims that this is the worst town for dating and we want to go to these cities and really see, like, is that true? What what's, What is it like elsewhere? Is that really farmers only? Is that really a, a viable place to meet your partner? Uh, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, and there's you know different regions probably have different you know, any college towns versus you know big cities. But it's like, yeah, yeah. but you could you could go on forever with something like this. Yes, absolutely. College towns have obviously so much stuff going on. We definitely want to go to frats and and it, and expose them for either the decent people that they are that we don't know that they are, or just the the people that we already think they are. Yeah, or probably <laughs> both, as it turns out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say about Los Angeles is that the thing I've noticed over the years now with people is that if you have, uh, if you're doing well or at least have a steady gig, then Los Angeles is great. But if not, then it can be kind of sucky. Exactly. Like you are just here being like, hey, put me in something, but you'll wait forever. And it's, yeah. it's a tough town to be in. You constantly feel like you're being rejected by everyone else's success. And, um, yeah, it's difficult, but I always said to myself, I would never move back here after I left in 2009. I was like, I'll never go back there unless I have a job. So well, this counts. Go. Cool. So this special of yours, um, is it, what are you going to be talking about in this special? Is it, uh, all kinds of new stuff or is it kind of the same things you've talked about in the past, but new jokes or what's it going to be like? You know, it's just, um, it's a compilation of probably the last couple years of me doing stand up. Um, it's a lot of new stuff, a lot of stuff I'm really excited about. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's just, uh, you know, exactly how I feel in this moment about being someone who's 31 who really doesn't feel like a woman yet, even though she statistically is, and oh, yeah. who also feels like a girl a lot of times. Like, but I but I am a woman. I'm have to, having to deal with the decisions about, like, whether I get married, whether I have kids, all those things. So it's... Uh, I am, uh, yeah, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it, but there's a lot of informational stuff from the point of view of a girl who's struggling with, um, getting older. And, you know, I started stand up when I was 19, so I've kind of grown up in this, in this world. So it's, um, yeah, it's just my take on things currently and, uh, from my personal point of view. And it's, you know, a very honest show. So there's things that, um, you know, people will be like, I can't believe she just said that. But I'm just trying to put things out there to make girls feel less alone. Like, I'd, I would have loved for my special to have been out when I was feeling, when I was in high school and feeling like I was the only one who thought this way or, you know, it's never going to get better, that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's my version of It Gets Better for 
20 year old white girls who yeah. don't are directionless. <laughs> that yeah. sounds terrible, but like it, it, but it is, it's, it's fun for everyone. Men and uh, women like it equally. I've found on the road. Well, here's the, uh, the funny part about that is I'm an almost 50 year old man and my wife's just a year younger than me. And we still feel like we're not grown ups yet, despite the fact we've had two kids and we have a mortgage and jobs and all that other stuff. Yeah. So it's really strange. That you never grow out of it, and I think yeah, I think that's something that everyone can relate to. So I, I'm, uh, yeah, I I think it's very relatable on every level. So I'm I'm glad to hear that. Thanks. <laughs> but how did that but change? It'll never get better. Yeah. How did that change though? Because my dad turned fifty my senior year of high school, and I'm pretty sure he didn't feel that way the, the way I feel now. I mean, it was it just our generation, or I mean, what what do you think? Yeah, I, it could have been like you know just the helicopter parenting where we just were never really baby bird never really was meant to fly or, or told to fly on their own. So I think it could be some of that, you know? Um, but I think that, you know, just, yeah. And we, we are all, we all grew up in kind of like a more digital age than our parents. So we were kind of sheltered in that way. I feel like now it's just, is getting scary and scarier about people like scared to interact with other people. Like, I feel like, you know, I used to be scared when I was a kid of like having to order pizza because I'm like, I don't want to talk to a stranger on the yeah. phone. And now there's like that I could, I that happens in my life now where I'm like, it's just easier to do everything online or like to, you know, text instead of call and all that stuff. So I think it's just, I don't know what it is, but um, a lot of fear about just like becoming an adult, too much responsibility. It's too much. Um, and then you'd also yeah. think about you have to die eventually, and we just want to put that off forever. So it's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, and then having aging parents on top of that, that, you know, you got to worry about that. And then you have to, you know, so you're about your kids leaving the nest. You worry about your parents being in the nest. And it's, oh, it's just exactly crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is. It, and you always think like, oh, I'll never be. I, I always was like, I'll never be that woman. That's like, how did I grow up so fast? Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> But where did the time go? Like, I can't believe how old I am, but, like, it, it, I definitely do feel that way. It, it's crazy. It does happen eventually, no matter how, no matter who you are. If you oh, yeah. stay alive, you will age. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, do you do you do, you do things to stay young or do you think just, just being in comedy, like they do, it's like they say in Spinal Tap, like Derek Small says, uh, Harry Shearer, that he feels performing rock and roll, he's like the preserved, the moose, they keep preserved in the park, so when he's on stage, he feels like a preserved moose. Are you a preserved moose when you're doing comedy, you think? Or is it just your personality in general that, and, you know, your your love for life that keeps you that way? Um, I, I feel like it's just, I feel like I'd be the same way even if I wasn't a queen. Like, I feel like I, I um, yeah, I guess comedy does keep me kind of young. And especially, like, having to stay young for the business that I'm in because youth is rewarded in this business. So I think that there's some of that that's like trying to remain forever young just so I have a career and worrying about aging and stuff like that. But yeah, um, I guess I'm a moose. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I was going to say too is that, you know, you were talking about, you know, not being, you know, you're being afraid to order pizza and it's easier to order it online. But in a strange way, people seem to forget, yeah, people look at their phones and they text a lot of everything, but in, in a strange way, we're kind of all more connected in a way because I know a lot about people that I used to know via Facebook than I would have known otherwise, even though I don't, I wouldn't talk to them in person anyway. So Yeah, it's, that is really interesting. And I think that that's another thing that like really is damaging for us though because like everyone puts their life on Facebook but it's all like the good stuff happening and, that's and true. you think yeah, you yeah. compare it to your own life and you just, you, I have to like avoid a lot of that. I find myself 
you know, just feeling bad about myself for no reason because I'm, you know, going through someone's Instagram feed and yeah. you're just like, why am I doing this to myself? I know that this won't make me feel better. No, I don't need to know this much about any one person. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's both like so intriguing and also really um, detrimental. I think you got to watch it. It's like a drug. Yeah, um, and I'm sure they can factor that stuff into the new show as well because I'm sure this all figures into the you know bigger picture about uh, sex and relationships and all that too. So, yeah, absolutely. The Tinder age has changed everything. Like, you can pretty much like order up a hookup, and you know, it's really it's scary, but it's also really fascinating and maybe like something that you know I have been in a relationship since Tinder really took off. So I don't. It's even like to me, I'm like, what is this stuff? So it's it's. It's really interesting, kind of sad, but also like, hmm, maybe that would be, well, maybe that, maybe I would have enjoyed that. Yeah, um, yeah you never know. I think, I think that's, uh, it's past my, past my age, though. I think that, that, that ship has sailed for me, and, and probably yeah, in, in exactly. a good way. <laughs> yeah. Well, terrific. Uh, Nick, I appreciate you taking the time with getting the show put together and getting your special, uh, you know, uh, on course and all that stuff. Um, uh, this will be, of course, in City Pages the week you're in Minneapolis there uh, in print and online, and hopefully see you back, well, sort of home here in Cincinnati. I know St. Louis is more home than Cincinnati, but you were born here. Yeah, so but it's still kind born of in Cincinnati, all my family's from there still. Okay, so. cool. Okay, well, we'll see you Yeah, well, thank you so soon. much. All right, terrific. Good talking to you again. Yeah, you too. Okay, thanks, Nikki. I appreciate it. Thank right. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Nikki Glazer for being on the show. You can catch Nikki well. I'm not too sure because I think her tour has just wrapped up. I think Minneapolis is one of her last shows where she's preparing for that big taping of her special in New York City, but I'm sure those tickets are probably already spoken for. But if you want to check it out uh, in a few weeks, go to NikkiGlazer.com. Uh, two K's in Nikki, an I at the end, and then one S in Glazer. And NikkiGlazer.com. Then she has a tour button on her uh, on her website. She'll tell you all the tour dates and things like that. Uh, don't feel like doing the credits this week. I'm feeling a little mush mouth, so we're going to skip right to the song of the week. Song of the week is from a uh, a guy called Quelia or a group called Quelia, but it's actually just one guy. I don't really know much about them. This is one of those things that uh, Garen from Pop Culture Beast sent me to review, so I reviewed it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I really dug it. Um, apparently, he's from Cambridge, UK, and uh, I liked the uh, the songs just fine. The one stuck out. And the song that stuck out was called Presque View. And it starts off with kind of like a little, uh, you'll see here, a little um, 80s video game music. But then kind of blasts into a much more contemporary sound. It sounds a lot like Bleachers. Uh, if you know who, uh, uh, that familiar with that, it's the guy off of Fun. Um, Jack Antonoff off of Fun. Uh, that's his project. And this sounds a lot like that. Which is not a bad thing, though. Uh, and it's just slightly more keyboardy. But I think you're going to dig it here. So this is the song of the week from Quelia, Presque View, PF's tape recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. 